everybody. Thanks for joining Wonder, Wonder, Repeat. Tonight we have an amazing person on, um, Wade May from the Gaia GPS Off-Road Podcast, and an amazing writer um, and also a teacher at the Overland Expo. So I can't wait to introduce you to him and learn more of where he's been. Wade, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Kara, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I've been uh, been watching this thing uh, develop, and uh, it's just an honor to be here. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's just something that we've just wanted to do, just to kind of get to know people. And I personally am kind of doing this selfishly just because I get to chat. You know, there's not a whole lot of whenever we go off-roading, Matt gets the, all the attention. And so I just want to be able to talk to the people, too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Wade. Um, I know I know a lot about you, but our viewers and our listeners don't. So give us just a quick rundown of your past. Well, I'm a South Georgia farm boy uh, to start <laughs> off with. I grew up uh, down the southern part of the state of Georgia on a little farm that uh, we raised uh, corn and hay, fed it to cows and sent it to market <laughs> that way. And the farm was too small for me to stay on and turn it into a career. And I didn't know what to do. So I wound up going into the Air Force and okay. I was uh, Air Force fighter pilot for 20 years and then uh, cashed in on that to go to the airlines and did another 23 years. Uh, flying with a major airline here in the U.S. Um, and I'm now retired. And I get to go play in Overland and do the Guy GPS off-road podcast. Uh, and retirement's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you live now, Wade? I know you said. I live in, in uh, Phoenix. Yeah, we're, okay. we're based in Phoenix. Uh, we uh, have lived around the world. Uh, we were in Europe, in the Middle East quite a bit, uh, lived in Washington, D.C., but it seemed like every time I came back to the States, I wound up coming to Arizona. I was down in uh, Tucson for a while, then up here close to Phoenix, and uh, my wife is from Arizona, and so this is where we decided to settle down. Gotcha. So when you say you you were flying fighter planes, like what models are we talking here? Uh, I started off, uh, you go through pilot training and you fly at that time, it was the little T-37 and then the T-38 trainers. And out of pilot training, I got an assignment to the A-10 aircraft, uh, lovingly called the uh, Warthog because it's so ugly. Um, <laughs> but it was an, an airplane that was built around a huge gun. And our mission was to go out when the kids on the ground were in contact with bad guys. We were the cavalry. We would come in with that big gun and kind of clean things up in front of them just a little yeah. bit. So there was a whole John Wayne aspect of, uh, of that airplane, but it was a little bit, uh, slow and ugly. And, <laughs> but I, but I loved it. And but it did the job, right? It did the job. It was a really fun airplane to fly. And then I transitioned to the F 16, which was uh, small, sleek, fast, uh, just a total little sports car. Both of them were single seat airplanes. So I was the only one uh, in the airplane and I finished up my career flying in the F-16. That's amazing. It's like one of our viewers here, Mike Thomas, he said, it's like having a tank in the air. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, so. And they, the other one, the, the second plane that you flew, you said that one goes pretty fast. I think you were telling me how fast you did you go? Yeah. It's uh, supersonic. I think it's rated at like 1.8 uh, Mach or something like that. And uh, I know it's, a, they say that if you get above about 800 uh, knots indicated airspeed that you'll blow the engine up. But I can tell you that at 815, I didn't. And, uh, <laughs> but I also didn't pull the throttle back. I just zoomed about 
a whole, a whole bunch to kill some airspeed. I was about to say, were you going back and picking up the pieces of your stomach? I don't uh, <laughs> yeah, that one scared me a little bit. I was actually, I had run in to try to, we were playing games and I'd run in to try to shoot a guy and I had not done that. And I was trying to run away bravely and I was running away very, 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 very fast. I'm and, just picturing uh, you like Maverick <laughs> right now. You're like, you're my Maverick or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I was uh, I was in the Air Force when that movie came out, and I was single at that time. Um, <laughs> I bet it did good for you. It's it it was a good thing, yeah. <laughs> but but it's a really cheesy movie. That's not at all what it's like. So. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, again, um, like I told you a minute ago, thank you so much for your service. I yes, really ma'am. am indebted to that. Um, you. So you landed back in Arizona. Did you ever have any? close calls or I, I read in your bio that you sent me that you were ejected, like you had ejected out of that at one point. Yeah. Uh, as I was transitioning from the A-10 to the F-16, I was down in Florida, uh, air force base near Tampa. Mary Jo and I had just gotten married at that point. And it was my second solo in the F-16. Uh, so by myself, they had some little two seat trainers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I had seven hours of flight time. And the throttle came disconnected from the motor. Oh, no. So the engine was running about mid power, but I didn't have any control over it. Uh, so they told me if I wanted to, I could punch out over the Gulf of Mexico, but I can't swim that well. So I decided I'd try to bring it back in and land it. And I did, but we ran off the end of the runway. The tail hook didn't catch. I was able to shut the engine down, uh, but we we're still going pretty fast at the end of the runway. So I got, uh, Got to eject, got one swing in the parachute, hit the ground, did a forward somersault. Uh, I was only about 25 feet away from the airplane, which had flipped upside down and was making strange noises. And I was pretty certain it was going to catch on fire, explode or something. So I ran away um, from the airplane, though I thought my left ankle was broken. Just turned out to be a really bad sprain. So that was my, uh, my one and only time of doing Injection. that. It's probably yeah. the last time you really, really want to. I wouldn't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that you, you know, put on your resume as it, that you're proud of. So. <laughs> no, not at all. So do you still fly everywhere? Like I know you're doing the guy off road. Do you use, do you use guy in the airplanes? Like tell us <laughs> how did that uh, up? <laughs> no, I, I don't fly anymore. I retired from the airlines and, uh, mm-hmm. I spending my time on the ground. I've get with, uh, 43 years of flying. That was enough. I, I want to see things from the ground level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will admit to having used Gaia in the airplane uh, because <laughs> I was trying to figure out some trails and they actually have an overlay of the aviation um, navigation stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was able to plot kind of back and forth between what I was seeing in the airplane and Gaia and look down and go, yeah, I can drive that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. <laughs> Mike said a 10 to F 16 is like a Jeep to a Ferrari. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good analogy. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. I would definitely want to have my feet on the ground, especially going that fast, a little bit more slower pace. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of vehicle are you driving now since you're not driving A-10s and F-16s? I have a uh, 2016 Toyota 4Runner that okay. I call Bullet, uh, mostly because I used to shoot bullets. There's this thing called Billet Silver. It's a silver color. That's what I had with a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, my I don't drink very much, but when I do, it's Bullet uh, Bourbon. So oh, gotcha. we just mashed all that together and, <laughs> and re-spelled it, and it became Bullet. So, yeah. That's awesome. Here's one of your amazing trips. It looks like that's the Mojave Road. That is the Mojave Mailbox. Yes. So did that one uh, solo. I think that was probably four years ago, something like that. Okay. Now, where is the Mojave at? Which state is that in? It's in a little bit of it is in Nevada, but it's primarily in California. It starts at the Colorado River and goes westward uh, if you run it in that direction. Okay. It's actually an ancient trade route. So the natives were going from waterhole to waterhole to waterhole, you know, spring mm-hmm. to spring to spring. Uh, so the trail, there's no telling how many thousand years old it is. So, um, but it's really, uh, really cool. I think I saw maybe, I was out there for three days, saw maybe five vehicles wow. the entire time. Yeah. It goes all the way across the Mojave Desert. 
Okay, so do you, you pretty much have to pack everything in, or is there ways to get gas along the way? Uh, nope, there's nothing along the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did come out at one point, uh, ducked out a uh, highway, and went and got some fuel, and uh, just because I think I had enough to, to finish it off, but I don't like to run out of fuel. And that was one of the things that cemented me getting an auxiliary tank put on yeah. uh, the forerunner. So I now have 40, uh, roughly 45 gallons whenever I'm full. So it gives me a really nice range. Uh, That's definitely what me and Matt have discuss discussed whenever we go full time. We're definitely going to want that longer. There's actually a, play, yeah. a, a person that's coming to the Moore Expo in April and we're going to go there and talk to them. They, that's exactly what they do. I can't remember the full name. I think it's only one type of people that do that, but. Um, yeah. I'm not sure for the Jeeps. Uh, the only one that I found for the forerunner was an Australian built tank, but it was imported by long range America. Uh, and then there was an installer here uh, in town that was able mm -hmm. to, cause I am not a mechanic. Uh, that's one thing they told us we're flying airplanes. You fly <laughs> it, but don't you dare try to fix it. Cause you don't know what you're doing and with me. They were quite right. So uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's an outfit uh, here in town called uh, toy pros, Arizona okay. toy pros. And okay. they're fantastic. They were able to just put the tank up there and make it all work. And that's not to know that it's available for Toyotas too. Yes. Very much That's so. Really cool. And speaking, of, I know you had mentioned the Colorado River, and you had told me that you had walked or hiked down in the Grand Canyon twice. No, we whitewater this... rafted. The oh, okay, Grand okay, twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So uh, now, and is that what yeah, this is? We've hiked. This is actually where the Little Colorado River meets the Colorado River. It's called the Confluence, okay. and that water is that color because there is calcium in the little Colorado and it gives us this really amazing aqua blue color. And it's almost oh, fizzy okay. whenever you get into it. It's, it's, it has a different feel. Uh, it's one of the prettiest places I think I've ever been. And uh, that's kind of a mandatory stop whenever you're, you're on one of those trips and everybody, you know, brings a floaty and kind of, you know, floats down the one river into That's, the other river. It's breathtaking. That picture is gorgeous. And I think the reason why I thought, because I was thinking Havasu Falls has that kind of same color. It does actually. Yeah. It's exactly the same uh, mineral makeup at uh, Havasu. Uh, and that's another stop. Uh, but that one's a little bit hard to jump in and float down. This one is kind of nice and shallow and you can just go out and play in it. So, yeah, that, that um, was a beautiful picture. So of all the places that you've been, Wade, where would you think that your most favorite trip and tell me a little bit about that trip? <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. Every, you know, it's hard to, to pick favorites because everything is so different. Mm -hmm. um, I totally can relate to that. I get that. Cause then there's different, you yeah, know, like if you want to choose desert or do you want to choose, you know, yeah. woods? <laughs> You've got deserts, mountains, you know, what happens along the yeah. way. Uh, a couple, I would say most of my favorite trips would be in southern Utah. Uh, okay. Southern Utah is just a fantastic playground. Uh, the red rocks are just laid bare so you can see all the geology. It's beautiful. There are great mountains and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I did, uh, one of the first really good overlanding trips that I did was a solo trip on uh, white rim road, which is in Canyonlands, the yes. Island in the sky part. Uh, and that that, yeah. And that was a, that was very early on. So I, I was, wasn't all that confident in myself. Uh, Mary Jo and I went to the dollhouse in Canyonlands. I was Land. just about to say, Mary Jo just popped in and said, how about the dollhouse in the Canyonlands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went to, on that one. And, uh, of course that's in Canyonlands as well, but the maze district, uh, mm -hmm. and it's where Mary Jo learned to marshal, um, because she, uh, it's, there's no, about marshal? Yeah. Or yeah. You know, t um, marshalling our, uh, spotting oh okay okay yeah i've so, never heard of it called marshalling I, th I think that's what we use we 
we always had a guy parking our airplane and he was marshalling us in. So I use the words interchangeably, I but yeah, spotting because <laughs> she didn't want to, she didn't want to drive. So I, so we had to real quick <laughs> learn, you know, it's like, okay, honey, I want my tires here and here. And you know, you mm-hmm. tell me when to turn and all this good stuff. And, uh, it took us, uh, it's five miles, took about a half a day to get through there. Uh, cause we we're taking it slow and yeah, stacking yeah. rocks and doing things, but the dollhouse itself was just a gorgeous, uh, end of that trail uh that was part of it i think we were out for almost a month uh on that oh, wow. particular trip so all of, all in utah running the swell and everything else and uh we uh we got to help some uh mary joe's heritage is german and there were some germans down at the dollhouse that had a jeep that wouldn't start we were able to kind of help them through that and get them out because a recovery from that that far out used to be really expensive yeah. so but very yeah, memorable it, yeah. I can't imagine. I think the maze is one um, of the places that we haven't been in Utah. We've been to the Island in the Sky, you know, because we did the mm-hmm. White Room and we've been to Canyonlands. Um, and I think that's, I think, I don't think we've ever been to the maze, but we'll have to go there. There's so many places I want to go. Oh, yeah. I, if I had another two lifetimes, I don't think I'd ever run out of places to go in Utah. Just yeah. So, yeah. So what keeps you grounded there in Arizona? What, for what makes you like not want to hit the road full time even? Uh, we've been having that discussion, uh, because there really isn't anything right now that, uh, mm-hmm. is grounding us because I used, I lived here because, uh, one it's where the air force decided to kick me out. <laughs> and then there was, just happened to be my airline had a base here. Mary mm-hmm. Jo had family down in Tucson. So we, so we were here for a reason okay. and now we don't have, you know, any of those ties. And so mm-hmm. we've toyed around with the idea of going full time, but you know, we'll see what happens. I think that I've, would be great. Yeah. I've, I've learned in the time of COVID uh, it's good to make plans. Just don't get too attached to them. Yeah. You, know, you never know. Did you have plans for when COVID hit that you were going to do? Yeah. um, I wound up retiring early because of COVID, but my plan was to go to, we had mandatory retirement at age 65, uh, which would have been last year. Mm -hmm. And I was going to take the summer and do a solo trip uh, to Tuk, which is the northernmost place you can drive to in Canada. Say that one more time. Tuk. I think I'm saying (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little Inuit village right on the Arctic Ocean uh, in the Northwest Territories. And I just had this thing that I wanted to go there and I wanted to do that solo all the way from Phoenix to there and then go to the northernmost place you can go in Alaska, which is Dead Horse. And uh, then I would have, you know, turned around and driven back. So no particular return date you know, just take my time. And that was going to be my, my retirement gift to myself. Mm-hmm. And of course the border shut down and yeah. that didn't happen. No, let's say they're about, aren't they open now or are they to where you could go? Yeah. Uh, the international border is open. I don't think at the present time they're allowing anyone into the more remote areas of the Northwest territories. Uh, just because those people don't have a lot of contact with the outside Mm -hmm. world. And so if you brought anything in, it would be, obviously it would be not good. So, yeah, I totally understand that. So what is your involvement? I know you, you do a lot of things for Overland Expo, like Mm -hmm. that just recently started. What got you into this genre of overlanding with like trails off road? I know you said you wanted to be a rider. Um, are you, is that something that you've done in the past? Because I don't, I don't equate that with pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. It's funny how people have that idea. Um, <laughs> a little side story. When I was a very young pilot, uh, I wound up at, we always had these formal get togethers and dinners and stuff like this. And somehow mm-hmm. or another, I wound up seated next to, this very nice lady who was the wife of one of the senior officers on base. And we had nothing in common, Mm -hmm. but she was trying mightily to, you know, strike up a conversation. And finally she looked at me and said, do you read? And my reply was, well, I can. (laughs) (laughs) And she didn't, 
talk to me very much after that. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like my no, husband. I, <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I, I've always enjoyed uh, writing and, and and reading well-written things. So I just had this idea that, you know, I would become a writer and, and maybe I'd teach some and things like that. Um, and, and things never work out quite the way that you think. But uh, so I wound up teaching at Overland Expo in 2019. And on I think that particular year on Sunday morning, they had this really cool thing. It's called a walkabout breakfast. Okay. So all of the vendors made something for breakfast if they wanted to. So you'd grab your coffee mug and go strolling around and, you know, you could just stop at any of the vendors and, and have something for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so I was walking by and this guy was making these little pancakes and they looked pretty good. And so I stopped and, you know, so I think I'm going to get a pancake and Mary Jo goes, nah, yeah, I don't want a pancake. So I'm getting my pancake and I, see her she's talking to some guys and uh, the next thing I hear is she is uh, oh my husband can do that and turned out she was talking to <laughs> Todd Taylor who's the founder of uh, Trails Off-Road and so I got drafted uh, on the spot sort of to write for Trails Off-Road so map the <laughs> trails and stuff like that and it, I didn't really have anything else going on so that sounded like a really cool idea and, and so I've uh, stuck with that. I train their new uh, writers uh, now for them. So when somebody comes on and wants to write for Trails Off-Road, I take them through the process of kind of learning the way that uh, the Trails Off-Road does things. And that indirectly led to the Guide GPS podcast. So That's way awesome. So what were you teaching at Overland Expo? Uh, they, we try to vary it every year. The uh, first year I was teaching a class on planning a uh, – a trip and you know, a trip that would last for maybe a month or so, mm -hmm. uh, how I go about planning it, you know, using guide GPS, yeah. but, uh, some spreadsheets that I developed where you're looking at resupply and, you know, how long can I be out between, you know, getting fuel and, mm -hmm. uh, water and all that stuff. Uh, it, there's this tradition, uh, for Overland Expo, uh, West that the last day is going to be really bad weather. And so that particular year, that Sunday was awful. Uh, snow started coming down. It was just oh, wow. really cold. And my class luckily was inside a building. So pretty much everybody abandoned the place except for the full-timers. And so I was teaching this class to people who were living on the road full-time and had way more experience <laughs> than like, I did. Uh, so, maybe you should sit down. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was totally intimidated. And, uh, but it turned out really cool because we just turned it into a round table and we yeah. just started everybody talking. And so I learned a lot more than I taught, uh, but that's the way overlanders are, you know, we get together and we start talking and, you know, I always learn something from, seems like everybody that I meet, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully they get the same from me, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good experience and, you know, really great people who are just bound by this, this idea of adventure travel. Yeah. So where do you plan on traveling? anywhere soon or where's your next trip you got planned? Uh, I'm taking, uh, Todd Taylor, the founder of trails off road and also, uh, John Lumia, who's, uh, the co-owner, uh, we're planning a trip through Southern Arizona early in January. Okay. Uh, I'll be going back into Utah sometime during the fall. Uh, and who knows where between now and then I just, yeah. I, if I'm not, working on something else. I'm usually sitting there kind of planning a, uh, a trip. And if yeah. everything opens up this summer, I may bail out of everything else and head North into Alaska and Canada. So that would be so awesome. Lauren, um, I'm probably going to butcher this name. So I'm so sorry, but Lauren Van Steenberg says that I'm going to do, I'm going to just say that the T word trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, do, we just, we just call it tuck. Yeah. We yeah, just call tuck it tuck. Trip. There we go. Tuck. Yeah. And he says, but on the return, he wants to swing by Winnipeg timing it for an arrival in October. So he can take the train to Hudson's Bay and see the polar bears waiting for the ice to form. Okay. Y'all are amazing me right now. Want to do the far North stuff late enough in the year to photograph the Northern lights, which I would love to photograph. Um, mm -hmm. Summertime has no nighttime. So I have to go later in the year. Uh, that's pretty insane. Yeah. I, I've been up into Alaska uh, quite a few times when I was in the Air Force, and it really does throw you for a loop during the summer that the sun kind of doesn't set. You know, mm -hmm. so your your body clock just gets totally messed up. 
because yeah. the, the sun's still up. I'm not sleepy yet, you know, and all of a sudden you look down, it's two o'clock in the morning, you know, so yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I, I saw, um, I saw one of our friends, Laura from Crayons and Carnes, I had her on a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. They had went and they had like cert the, I guess it was like something over the windows. It looked like saran wrap or foil or something to mm -hmm. get the, to get to keep the sun out. Cause it's yeah. to, to make them sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to make it dark. You know? Cause yeah, I, I have a hard time sleeping when the sun's in my eyes. It just doesn't quite seem natural. And then the, the obvious, you know, re reverse of that is the winter when sun doesn't come mm -hmm. up. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So Matt says that you need to come to the Ozarks. Uh, I was just talking with somebody about that earlier today. Um, oh. yeah, I to totally agree. Yeah. We could definitely show you around some, some places as well. Now, yeah. have you ever, have you ever seen the Northern lights? I know that's what Lauren was just talking about. And Lee, she was just, as she's wanting to photograph. Yeah. Only, well. only once. Uh, okay. but I was, I was flying at the time and we just happened oh. to be pretty far North and was able to see it. So, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't the great show that you normally see. So I, yeah, that would be pretty high on my bucket list too. Yeah. I would have to do so much research because I didn't want, I wouldn't want to get there and then like miss the shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause that, that's totally what I would do. I totally mm -hmm. understand that. So you do all of the Overland Expos. So tell us about your, your podcast, your Gaia off-road podcast. Uh, something that I never, ever thought I would be involved with. Uh, we were talking <laughs> a little bit before the, the show I had, zero uh social media presence mm -hmm. uh prior to the podcast i was always doing i just didn't just didn't do social media um I don't but once you. i yeah but <laughs> once i started writing uh for trails off road i i've looked at them and they get to go they've got great trail guides and i'd always been a fan of guide gps the guide gps has got great maps you mm -hmm. guys need to get together and so I kept everybody that I thought had any influence whatsoever. I was always chatting with them about that and saying, you know, they just need to have some type of a, you know, I won't call it a partnership, but just, a, you know, some way that they, they can work together. Mm -hmm. um, I did not know at the time that Guy, G, Guy GPS was being bought out by Outside Inc., mm -hmm. uh, which is now then a, a very large company that owns a lot of, adventure and outdoor uh, recreation related companies. Right. And Gaia had kind of started more as a hype for hikers and backpackers and things like that, but it works fantastic for, for the off-road community as well. Right. And they were beginning to realize that. So outside was putting some pressure on them to pay a little bit more attention to the off-road world. Uh, we had worked out uh, a little bit of a cooperation between trails off road and guy GPS. And, um, this is news that neither Gaia nor trails off road knows, but Todd Taylor called me one morning to ask me if I would take a meeting with, uh, Mary Kokenauer, who is the producer of the podcast. Um, and he asked me if I was still asleep and I lied and said, no, uh, I was, um, but we, uh, <laughs> when someone like I, that calls you, you're awake and you're ready. Yeah, that's right. I just, I, I tend to sleep. If I don't even go in on that day, I sleep in cause I always had to get up way too early the rest of my life. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, I talked to him. We, uh, I had no idea what hosting a podcast involved or anything like that. Uh, but they were very nice and said, you know, let's try it for a few episodes and see what you think. And that's how that came to be. That's so. amazing. And now here you are doing the podcast on the regular. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. So this is great because I, I get the chance to be on the other side of the <laughs> microphone. So, yeah, I'm always the one trying to, you know, ask the questions and steer the thing and all that. So now that I just get to wait and let you lead me, uh, around. So that's, this is fun, uh, <laughs> but I've, I've really enjoyed it. I didn't know, if I would or not, but it was an opportunity to talk to people that I had been following, you know, like mm -hmm. I said, I wasn't on social media, but I was a huge consumer of it. You know, I was watching everybody's YouTube channels and all of that. And oh, so yeah. people that I, I pretty much, you know, had a lot of respect for idolized, whatever you want to call it. Uh, now then I get to sit down and chat with them 
and yeah. ask them things that I've always wanted to ask them. So, I mean, just doesn't get much better than that. That's pretty cool. I learned that Marco was no longer doing the vegetarian thing because of your podcast. <laughs> That's what I learned. <laughs> Marco was one of the most fun podcasts to record. Uh, we cut out a half hour of just laughing uh, in the <laughs> middle of that because he, he is so entertaining and such a truly nice person. Yeah, uh, it seems like know, he's very genuine. He, he was, and, and I have since met him in person. And I mean, what you see is what you get with Marco. Uh, but I was, it, I love to eat. And so I, that episode, I, you know, I could say, okay, you know, he'd tell me the name of something. I go, just, you know, what is that? Because I have yeah. no idea what you're even talking about. Yeah. But uh, can you spell yeah. that, please? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, uh, I uh, have since uh, talked to Brad, uh, Trail Recon, and I go, dude, you have to be one of the smartest people on the planet. You know, you go out and wheel all day with Marco, <laughs> and then Marco cooks dinner for you. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. No, no. So, yeah. And it's beautiful places they get to go. And that that's that's how I started. You know, my husband has the YouTube channel, of course, but mm -hmm. I've always watched Trail Recon because whenever I had a Jeep, I would, you know, that's who you watch to see what they're doing yes. with their Jeep, what things are purchasing. That's where I got my first Casey highlight that pro <laughs> that gravity. I was like, and mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure I used his code cause I was, you know, he was giving codes yeah. for discounts. I was like, okay, you know, this is cool. And I want to be more like Brad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably not breaking any confidences here, but uh, next year you'll see Brad on uh, the guy GPS off-road podcast. So oh, that'll be exciting. He was kind. Can't wait. Along with uh, his lovely wife, Regina, which we uh, we got to meet Regina at Overland Expo West in Flagstaff. And her background is very similar to my wife's background. And, and they okay. tend to hit it off really well. And of course, Brad was in the Navy and I was in the Air Force. So right. uh, a few similarities, but, uh, but they're very, very, very nice people as well. Uh, that I've enjoyed my time with them immensely. I really enjoyed a lot of the videos recently of, of seeing his wife more because that's part mm -hmm. of the, that's part of the dynamic you didn't see. And I think that's a whole, it has a whole new um, viewer audience because, you know, as women off-roaders, there's not a whole lot of people out there that's leading that. And I think that that him bringing her in, yeah. I'm really excited to see that, that dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, she provides a really nice voice to, uh, you know, how, do, how do you overland as couples? You know, mm -hmm. uh, if, if the guy is out doing this off-roading and is his wife or girlfriend or significant other mm -hmm. is uh, a little hesitant, how do you convince her yeah. to come along? How do, how do you, you know, address her needs? Uh, and she's she had a really, uh, matter of fact, that's a question I ask her. And she has really good insight to that. Uh, she, she's adding a great deal, I think, to Trail Recon. I can't wait to hear that because that's probably one of the number one questions when I have a female overlander on our, on my podcast, you know, that, that people ask, they'll just come in there and they'll ask, what can I do to get my wife more involved or, you know, mm -hmm. and so there's so many tips that you can give. Um, but yeah, it just all comes down to the person, but I, I'm looking forward to that podcast. Wait, I'm definitely going to tune in. <laughs> I, I'm kind of lucky. I, I have the reverse situation. Mary Jo wants to go on pretty much every one of my trips. Uh, <laughs> and I really enjoy some trips being solo. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I started doing solo trips while I was still uh, in the airlines. And of course, that lifestyle is very mm -hmm. rushed and loud. And there's people around you all the time. And you know, yeah. I just come back home kind of fried and I would always I feel like to... that with retail, retail pharmacy. I'm right yeah. there. And, and this time it. of the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I come home and I'm, I, sometimes at the end of the day, I sit in my vehicle before I even come home. Cause I'm just like, yeah, no yeah. input. <laughs> so, so I would take, you know, solo trips basically just to kind of decompress and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, get back into me as opposed to that. Uh, and I, I just love those quiet times out there, you know, when there's, you know, nobody talking to you, there's nothing happening and you can really be a part of, of where you are. Uh, I've talked to on the podcast, a couple of, uh, solo overlanders and, uh, and we've talked about that, those, those conversations that you can have with yourself that can go on mm -hmm. for, you know, hours or days, yeah. uh, 
you know, when you're out there by yourself. So, so where do you find that balance with your wife um, as far as integrating that couple time versus you having the solo time? Uh, we just basically kind of sit down and talk about the trip. I mean, there are some okay. trips that, you know, I'll, I'll tell once I get through telling her, you know, what the trip is, she'll go, yeah, I ain't going on that. Uh, <laughs> you know? So, and, and then there are places that I go to, uh, solo and I go, I've got to come back here, you know, and, and bring mm -hmm. her because she needs to see this. Yeah. Uh, so that we just, that. you know, we just sit down and kind of, kind of keep, you know, working it she's she's got her own things that she enjoys doing and also we do things together and, and you know then we do our own solo adventures as well i've done the grand canyon rafting trip twice with her but she's done it twice without me oh wow uh, yeah so she, she's a pretty adventurous gal now is she more of a rafter or does she like to do the whole overlanding thing i do know i think i have a picture of a little help that she gave you here recently <laughs> Let, let's talk about this. <laughs> that's that. I'm pretty sure that's Billet. But, um, uh, but yeah, Billet. <laughs> Billet is the silver yeah. forerunner on the left, and we name our truck. So Bella is okay. uh, on the right. Uh, that's Mary Jo's uh, stock uh, 2017 forerunner. We do have. We did put better tires on it, but other than that, it's completely stock. <laughs> yeah. I was out in the Kofa National Wildlife Refuge, which is a one of the cool places I love to go in the wintertime. You don't want to go there in the summertime. It's about 120 degrees. Oh That's down gosh. in Southwestern Arizona. Uh, first day out was a wonderful day. Nice night camping. Got up, made some breakfast the next morning, pack everything up and the truck won't start. Uh, it'll turn over, but there's either no ignition or no fuel getting to it. So did everything I could there. And we started doing a recovery um, planning a recovery. So I spent the day there and the next day, Mary Jo, uh, came down with her truck and towed me 15 miles out to pavement and wow. to a trailer that we had tied behind our Ram 1500 and bullet is currently in the shop, getting the, the fuel pump taken care of. And that's the first time in all the years that I have been overlanding and off-roading that I have been immobilized. Yeah. You know, that I that's a pretty good anymore. record. Uh, yeah, knock on wood that uh, it, it's been a good ride. So I can't, I really can't complain. Mm -hmm. And it was a great uh, learning experience uh, for us to, Yeah, I, I had a little bit of cell phone coverage if I walked about 200 yards away from camp and we had, a, I had my Zolio and everything. So, uh, and I had, yeah, I just gotten started. So I think I had four or five more days of food, plenty of water. Uh, what all now, that. what so is it, a Zolio? Is that like the Garmin inReach? Yeah, it, exactly. It's a, it's okay. a, kind of an updated version of that same technology. Um, oh, I would be yeah. interested in learning more about that because the Garmin inReach is nice, but mm -hmm. it's got to have major cell phone signal or, or just some kind of satellite signal. Otherwise yeah. it's really delayed. So yeah. I, I, I don't know if yours is like that, but. Uh, I forget exactly which episode it was, but uh, we actually did an episode on the Zolio uh, with Mara Sean, who's the president of Ropost, which is the company that makes the Zolio because okay. it's a fairly new entrant into the market. Uh, and it's got some improvements over the, because I had an inReach uh, before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, mine was so old. It said Delorum on it because Delorum was the company that originally Made built them. it. And then Garmin uh, bought them out uh, and I've switched over to the Zolio. So, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, that gave me a lot of confidence that I would at least be able to, to coordinate, you know, somebody coming out there to get me. So, so side note, you like it better than the Garmin inReach? Uh, there are plus and minuses to both of them. There are a couple of things on the inReach that I, uh, appreciated my, uh, the Zolio is designed to work primarily with cell phones, uh, smartphones. And my mom in Georgia is not a smartphone person. Mm -hmm. So the inReach would post, uh, my track and location to a website, you know, and she mm -hmm. could log on to that. So she would follow me along from, uh, from Georgia. And this doesn't do that, but okay. there are a lot of really positive things that it does do. So I'm, I'm not unhappy with the switch at all. So I'm definitely going to have to look into that. We, like I said, we like our Garmin inReach and everything, but it's just so delayed. I'm starting, you know, whenever he's out and I'm home, I want to be able to hear it. And sometimes he doesn't get that message that I send to him until like the next morning. And if right. that was to be like a really bad situation and, you know, like 
injuries yeah. or anything like that, that mm-hmm. could be the difference in, you know, death, you know, if it, if it, if it was really that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty certain the SOS thing goes out pretty quickly from both of them, but you, when you need that communication, you really want it to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So do you plan on sticking with Overland Expo now that you're able to do that again without COVID because COVID killed it one year? <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. you had the one. Didn't y'all just have one with Overland Expo? This uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I taught at 2019 and then I taught again this year, uh, but just at West. Uh, so okay. ne- next year they've got four venues now. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course now, you know, being a- associated with uh, guide GPS, there may be some things that I'm going to do the expos with that. So I don't know exactly how many of them we're going to hit uh, okay. next year, but uh, we'll definitely be doing the one in Flagstaff, probably some more of them. So. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I, I've never attended an Overland Expo. I really want to go see what that's <laughs> yeah. all about. Yeah, it it is massive. I mean, we've we've seen that. I went to some of the very first ones uh, because they were just so close, mm-hmm. and it has grown so much during the years. Uh, there's so many vendors. Uh, there are all kind of classes. Uh, driving courses, recovery courses. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't realize you know, there was that many options there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, usually there's one or two vehicle manufacturers that will set up a course so that you can go out and drive uh, a Land Rover or you can, you know, drive. Yeah, I forget yeah. who all was there. To probably Ford had the Bronco there. Uh, some things like that. <laughs> I'll go for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I, this year I, I was so busy. I probably only got to see maybe a third of, uh, everything that was there. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. And it's a huge dog show. Everybody brings their dogs and it's so cute. They're, they're just dogs all over the place. So it's fine. Y'all have pets that y'all take? We do not. Uh, okay. up until a few years ago, we didn't have a live plant, uh, we, we wanted to be where, you know, we could just go close the doors. We're out of here for a month. You know, who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I no totally kids, understand no that. We have pets. four, so it's so hard. We have to coordinate mm-hmm. that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a real struggle. So are you planning to come to more expo or anything remotely close to us? Uh, I don't have any plans yet, but plans change. <laughs> You should come. That would be a blast. I should, you know, I've been, now that I've been listening to your podcast and, and uh, I listen to the uh, professor every once in a while uh, for a long oh, time yeah. now, uh, yeah, I, I keep hearing about this and it sounds like just a total blast. I, I think I'm missing oh, yeah. out. You should. There's a lot of, there's so many people that come and then I think they're going to have camping this year. And so there's mm-hmm. an off-road park that's a few you know, miles up the road, um, that everybody goes to. And there's actually like a trip that you can do from that. And you would probably be really, really good at it because they're just going to give you kind of like waypoints this year and you have to follow your route. Um, uh, and you have to kind of make your own thing. It's kind of like a, like it's kind of like a geocaching travel navigation hunt, you know, mm-hmm. scavenger hunt. Um, so that way you could go along and kind of follow that through. Yeah. I was a geocacher back in the day when, GPS kind of first came out. It was a yeah. new toy to play with. So, yeah. <laughs> so you sent me a picture. I have to ask, cause this looks a lot like Africa. So you think that's Africa? I'm thinking it there does, needs it does to be like it, yeah. an elephant or a giraffe <laughs> coming in the distance. I mean, that you do have actually, an elephant on your vehicle right there on your license plate. That's a bear. Is it a bear? It looks like that's an a elephant. Bear. Oh, okay. A bear. Is that from your, that's from your, <laughs> The wandering bear, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of always been a, a nickname for whenever I started the uh, the overlanding thing and all. It's just, oh. you know, uh, because ex- it actually is the original meanings of my first and middle names. Um, so, uh, yeah, but yeah, that is, picture is actually in the in central Arizona, uh, oh, almost wow, the center really? of the state. And it's before you get up high onto the Mogollon Rim, but mm-hmm. it's really high desert and you get this grassland that juniper tree has been expertly pruned by the elk. Uh, and I was just driving that road. I, I think I was actually out mapping this particular trail for trails off road. And I saw that tree and I thought, I've got to stop and get this picture. 
because it does remind you, you know, a little bit about the Serengeti in Africa, but it does yeah. nothing about that says Arizona, not a single no. thing. Would you guess that that was the center of the state of Arizona? No, I never would. And I don't even think that I realized y'all had elk there to do that kind of pruning on trees. The largest elk herd in the United States is along the Mogollon Rim from uh, New Mexico over to uh, west of Flagstaff. Wow. Now, we yeah. saw a lot of elk when we were in New Mexico here recently. We went, we went yep. to Carlsbad. And we just thought that that was because it was kind of colder up where we were at. We were near Cloudscroft. And so mm -hmm. there was like some some bull elks kind of fighting. It was way cool to see that. We tried to go back and get a picture. It didn't work out because they were done. Oh, <laughs> apparently they don't fight long. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> but I was just we were blown away. I uh I did some backpacking and stuff. Uh, I don't do very much of it now, but uh, I was backpacking up on the Mogollon Rim, which is the beginning of the high country part of Arizona. And I was camped down in this little canyon, maybe a couple hundred feet deep. Uh, and it was uh, during the rut. And so this little bull elk comes up on the edge of the canyon right above me and he just starts bugling. You know, he's the loneliest little elk out there in the world. Aww. And I, th I thought it was really, you know, it was really impressive for a while. You know, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. And then it gets dark and I try to go to sleep and he ain't quitting, you know? So <laughs> finally, you know, I just yell like a dude, if you ain't got a date by now, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Shut up. You know, and, uh, he, he held off for a while and then he started again and I yelled at him again and he left. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're just elk all over up there. It's uh it's a, that's a very cool part of the state of Arizona. That's awesome. I, the only part of Arizona that I've ever been to, I think, is just the Four Corners because we wanted to travel there. And whenever mm -hmm. we went through yeah. Utah, you know, we wanted to get to that spot. Um, yeah. Fun fact, there's like an Indian reservation or village that's next to the Four Corners. I can't tell you what it was called. Um, mm -hmm. There is a, a gas station there, kind of mm -hmm. convenience store, one-stop shop kind of thing. They sold leather, like in the back, purses and hats and all this and but then they had this really big, huge jar of pickles and it was like a spicy pickles and like normal pickles. And I like spicy pickles. And so I got a jar of pickles and then we went on to the four corners. I said that I ate my pickle on the little, cause it was about 30 minutes till we got to the four corners. Mm -hmm. And so that was the best pickle I think I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and so on the way back, we cleared out some of our stuff in our refrigerator. Like we threw stuff out so I could have a gallon jug and we stopped back by those, those, those native Americans were probably really wondering what this white person was wanting all these pickles. I had like this huge gallon jar of spicy pickles and I ate those the rest of the way home. <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you know, I, that's funny, but that's the, that's one of the cool things about overlanding is you always go out on a trip. And you, you're going to go see this or that or the other. Or you have certain expectations. But it's always the strange things that happen <laughs> along the way, you know, that you would never in a million years would have said, oh, I'm going to get a pickle on an Indian reservation. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. But that's what you wind up remembering is the, yeah. the surprises, you know. So, yeah, it's the, you know, the, the journey is the destination in a way. So, oh, yeah. You yeah. bet if I ever go back there, I'm going to be looking for those pickles. too. <laughs> What strange things have you experienced? What What's something that you've experienced? Oh, gosh. Um, occasionally some strange people. <laughs> <laughs> now, we is, have experienced we, that, too. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is why I like to go far off the pavement uh, <laughs> if I can. Let me see. Um, that's a great question. Uh, let's see. Strangest thing. Nah, that one I'm not going to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple. I, there are a couple I won't talk about. Um, <laughs> you be thinking about that. <laughs> I'll th I'll think about that if I if something pops up, I'll I'll let you know. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So tell me about this picture. Where is this one taken at? That is in Central Utah on uh, Skyline Drive, which is uh, I think it's almost a hundred miles long. Uh, it goes through two different national forests that I can't remember the names of right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's very high elevation. So you get up to around 10,000 feet, uh, just some amazing views. Uh, and I did that 
earlier this year, uh, okay. towards the end of the summer, I, I think was whenever I went up and did that one as a solo trip and I'll, I'll be back there again. Uh, beautiful, beautiful area in Utah. Okay. So your wife has given a suggestion for a strange thing. Oh. She said, she said little Finland and the guy on the North rim. Oh, um, I'll take the guy on the North rim for a hundred. Um, <laughs> This, this was a lesson learned early in our, uh, when we got serious about overlanding, we had stopped in at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, uh, and spent, we're going to spend the night, uh, in route to somewhere else. And we had made, gotten reservations to have dinner at the lodge there. And this gets into planning versus taking advantage of those unique opportunities. So while we're waiting to go into dinner, uh, it's dark and we're looking out across the Grand Canyon from the north to the south. And you can see the lights of the South Rim and all that. And there was this uh, older gentleman with this long beard, uh, very uh, long face, kind of a hawk nose, very lean, obviously an outdoor guy. And uh, we started chatting with him and he was extremely knowledgeable uh, about the canyon and everything. And we were having a great conversation and we got called to dinner and I almost said, that's okay. Or can we do, can we get a table for three or whatever? But I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward a week or two later and we met up with some friends on that same trip and we were telling them about this guy and all it, and my friend goes, I know who that is. And I go, there's no way you can know who that is. And he goes, no. And he pulls out Arizona highways magazine for that month. And there's this interview with this guy. And he had been hired by Fred Harvey back whenever the Harvey company would take Easterners on railroad month or two month long trips to the West. And the Harvey company actually developed the, uh, most of the South rim of the grand Canyon. And it was, you know, the, your tour was great food and great lodging and all that. And Fred Harvey had, uh, went to Europe to hire chefs. And he hired this kid who I think at the time was 17 or 18 years old, but he could cook mm -hmm. and brought mm -hmm. him to the Grand Canyon to cook. And that guy had been there since then uh, and wow. had hiked the canyon, you know, a lot of times seen all the history and everything. And I, I could just, you know, slap myself for going. That would have to be one of the biggest regrets. Yeah, I don't remember what I had for dinner, but I remember that I didn't get to talk to that guy anymore. And so oh, from that point on, plans are plans, but go in the direction that you need to go. When there's something interesting, when there's pickles, go get the pickles. When yeah. it's a guy that's got a heck of a history, talk to it. You know, yeah. don't be so stuck with your plan that you can't take advantage of what you find. So, yeah, that's that was some very uh, wise words right there. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's learned from not being very wise. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, that's yeah, usually that's, the way lessons are learned. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang. But yeah, I, I have no idea what oh, we had for dinner. Man. You know, I would have been happy with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich a couple hours later if yeah. I had, you know, listened to my gut and, and talked to that guy. Yeah. So goodness gracious. So you got to go back and find him. <laughs> yeah. He, he actually, he was married and he had bought a uh, mining claim and he lived off grid uh, with his wife. They had, there was no power that went out there or anything else. And, and this whole story was, you know, about his house and you know, how wonderful they had made it and all this kind of stuff. Super interesting character. Uh, so. I bet well, the stories that yeah. he could tell. Yeah, exactly. That I missed out on. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. You just kick yourself. Yeah. So thank you, Mary Jo, for that <laughs> reminding him of the guy. On yeah, the she, she's about two rooms over watching this thing live. And, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that because yeah. now that was a very that was a very good life lesson that you just yeah. you just shared. So now where is this at? Uh, that is actually in Canyonlands. Okay. The, I was about to say it looked like the because I could see the tops of the white. Yeah, Down and there. that is Island in the Sky. And yep. I can tell you the minute that that was taken because that photo, uh, what you can't see, okay, uh, is the White Rim Road down there 
you know, on the bottom of it. Right. And, uh, yeah, that was on Saturday, the 27th of 2014 at 1140 in the morning, because when I saw three vehicles down there driving the white rim, I had been to, um, Overland Expo once or twice at that point and, and knew what overlanding was and everything. But that mm -hmm. is the moment that I decided that I was going to get serious about doing this, about being able to go out for it. Cause I had a little, uh, two door Jeep TJ, which yeah. is great for running around local trails and all that, but it is mm -hmm. not something that you want to take out on a month long trip. No, you know? no, you can't so, store much room in there. <laughs> yeah, it, that's right. There's, you know, there's no room and it is, it's great on the trails, horrible on the highway all of those things. Uh, so that photo I have kept because that's the moment that I said, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Mm -hmm. And it took me a little while to, to settle on the forerunner and to get it built out and everything. But that was the uh, first long solo trip I did. I went back and did the white rim. Um, and you know, by that time I realized that the white rim was not the end all be all for overlanding, but it was something that Gorgeous. I just had to do. But yeah, it and cool. it's it's yeah. it's gorgeous. I feel just looking at your picture there, Wade. I just I feel like I was kind of cheated on the white rim, um, and mm -hmm. I say that because there was a fire in oh. Utah um, that had just started, probably about maybe a day to two days before we hit the white rim trail, and so mm -hmm. all of that smoke had come in, and so it was all so hazy. We couldn't yeah. see. I mean, we probably could see to those first pillars, maybe that low, but everything was just. And it just mm -hmm. kind of sat there, you know? Um, so looking at those pictures, I think I don't remember much of those views. Like I remember some of them when we first started, like when we did the Schaefer switchbacks, like yeah. there was pretty views out there, but the mm -hmm. pack, it was the Pat Creek fire that had started yeah. and it burned, mm -hmm. you know, all recently. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. So people, yeah, your, I mean, your campfires. The, <laughs> that's right. Don't <laughs> burn it down. Um, yeah, I mean, the views from up at on top, you know, island in the sky, you know, looking down are, are fantastic. But, I mean, driving the entire white rim is just, you know, your your jaw just stays dropped. Because yeah. every time you look in a different direction, it's just completely amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just love that whole area. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to go back. I definitely want to go back and see more of the, the further views. And I think that's one of the reasons why I want to go see the Grand Canyon. I've never, I've never seen the Grand Canyon either. There's just, yep. again, so many places to go. Come on out here to Arizona. I think yeah. I know where they are. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to come out there and visit you. Now, this looks more like Colorado. Uh, it looks like Colorado, but that is also in Utah. That is, uh, really? we talked, okay. yeah, we talked about skyline. No, wait a minute. I take that back. This is not skyline. This is okay. in the Fish Lake National Forest okay. in, uh, sort of South central Utah, but you get up above the tree line there. I think we're up around 13,000 feet or so in that shot. Uh, and it is, okay. it is very Colorado-ish. It is yeah. not, it does not appear to be Utah. Uh, which is amazing to me is you can, you know, you can find these little micro places. There's like mm -hmm. the Arizona picture where we go, that's not Arizona. Well, this doesn't look like most people's idea of Utah either. Uh, but there are just these cool little places that you can go and find uh, in yeah. all these Western states. Yeah. I would say Cloudcroft did that to us whenever we went to New mm -hmm. Mexico, because it was just like, you, you go in and there's like this little stream running through and like, you just come through like barren oasis desert you know, yep. where you saw like tumbleweeds like that. It was just super dry. And then you cross over into this other like totally different ecosystem where there's elk and these pines mm -hmm. and firs and like, it's just the temperature drops and it's just, it, it's like, where, where are we? <laughs> I'm not in New Mexico. This isn't New Mexico. Yeah. Most everything here is elevation dependent. Uh, mm -hmm. so, I mean, we love Arizona because in the summertime we can go up high, you know, eight, yeah. 9,000 feet up on the Mogollon Rim and, you know, be very comfortable. And then in the wintertime we can run the lower deserts, you know, and do the same thing. So we have a little, little something year round that we can, you know, get away and go play in. We have beautiful fall foliage, but I think the only elevation that we can get to is maybe a thousand feet. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. We, we don't have the fall foliage. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's really, really small places. Every <laughs> once in a while, you'll find a, a cool aspen grove that turns, you know, perfectly golden in the, oh, see, you know, in the fall the and everything, aspens. but that's about it. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to see the yellow aspens. Now this looks more like the white rim too. 
This is actually uh, going into the dollhouse. This is the trip that uh, Mary Jo and I took into the dollhouse. We came in from Hike Crossing, uh, so we didn't go around to the ranger station. Uh, We just called to let them know we're coming in. And so this is approaching uh, uh, through some, I think it's BLM land or whatever, to go into the park. And I just thought that, you know, I just love the the Red Rocks and this is Broad Mm -hmm. Valley. And the really fun part of the trail started over by where that little spiral is. Yeah, Yeah. it got got real interesting after that. Oh, I bet. And this looks Red Rockish too. It is, but that's in Arizona as well. That is up on the Arizona Strip, which is the part of Arizona that's north of... uh, of the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon, and that's at Torweep. That's the campground at okay. Torweep. Yeah, and so we backed. Uh, we were there uh, earlier in the fall, first time I had ever been to to Torweep uh, and Whitmore Overlook, uh, or the Arizona Strip for that matter. Um, so yeah, that's a way had, cool camp spot right there. It was pretty nice. We were we we're very happy to get that one. I think there are only nine or ten spots, uh, and they you can reserve camping there, but you can't reserve the spot. Um, so oh. you just take whatever's available. Uh, and if you don't have a campsite, you've got to bail out of there before sunset. So wow. yeah, we we're very lucky to get that one. Cause I was going to remember that number seven there. I yeah. was like campsite number seven. I want to go to stay at that one. Yep. If nobody's there, it's all <laughs> yours. <laughs> so what made you go from, I know obviously a two door TJ is not very good, but you went to a, a Toyota. So mm-hmm. you totally flipped the spectrum there. So why not choose a Wrangler? What made you to go to Toyota side? Um, I actually wanted a Land Cruiser. Okay. Everybody wants a Land Cruiser. Uh, <laughs> and I could never find one uh, that didn't have, you know, a million miles on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would actually leave notes on people's windshields whenever I found one said, please call me. Uh, a few of really? them did. Yeah. Yeah. A few of them did and said, uh, yes, but my grandson would kill me if, you know, because he's going to inherit this land cruiser. <laughs> uh, so I looking around, I just decided I'm, I'm going to go with a forerunner. Uh, I actually bought it used, got a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has very much evolved over time. The rear seats are out. I've got a goose gear platform system back there. I can okay. actually sleep inside the truck if I want to. Okay. I saw uh, you had the rooftop tent, which is a nice rooftop tent, by the way. It is. We just bought that. Uh, oh gosh. I don't know. Maybe four or five months ago. Okay. Uh, it's got a few trips. So that way everybody. Yeah. That's a uh, James Baroud. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we, we like it. We, we yeah. added a little extra. They have, good mattresses but we added a little extra padding and the cool thing is you can leave your bedding up there on so we make up the bed and we don't have to make up the bed again uh so all you do is pop it up and you know that takes about two minutes takes Mm -hmm. maybe five minutes to take it down and we're on our way so uh we had uh, we've done everything ground tents uh tent cots you name it uh you know as far as sleeping and we we wanted something that we could or i wanted something (laughs) <laughs> that we could break camp quickly and and be yeah. on the road if we needed to. So yeah. So yeah. and and you so the Toyota from the Land Cruiser, you decided that was yeah a comfort. Uh, a Forerunner is you know it's it's a Land Cruiser without the price tag or the really really <laughs> nice frame underneath it, and and I do have to admit I've been really impressed with uh, with the Forerunner. Uh, I I always thought I'd be a Jeep guy, but you know this. Because of the type of travel I do, the Forerunner seems to match me a little bit better. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not a rock crawler by any stretch of the imagination. I don't take on very tough trails. Mm-hmm. I but I do want to be able to if I want to go somewhere, I I want to go there, you know. And yeah. so just I've got about a two and a half inch lift on it uh, and everything, and it it does it amazes me with what it'll do. It's pretty capable. And I mean, even the stock forerunners and stock Jeeps for that matter, you know, the, yeah. they're a lot oh, yeah. more capable. They're some, a lot more capable sometimes than the drivers are. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> the driver's not learning it and they don't know how to use it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I tell people that Bullet has really taught me how to drive uh, yeah. because I, you know, I, I listen to the truck and, and, you know, it'll tell me whenever I'm doing something wrong. You know, if it's making strange noises or, you know, pulling too hard or whatever, uh, you'll figure it out after a while. But I mean, I got rescued by my wife's <laughs> pretty much bone stock forerunner. 
and we go. had we had some pretty serious washes uh, dry washes and stuff to cross so but that little you know little forerunner of hers never yeah, you know, it, it didn't complain at all. It it yanked me right out of there. So now, do you have a Bronco yeah. in your future? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> I, no. Well, my <laughs> we we have lots of desires, and but our garage <laughs> is not anywhere near big enough for it. So we we're we're kind of out of space. So yeah, I totally yeah. understand that. We, yeah. you know, I've one. I've had my eyes on one for a while now. Mm -hmm. But the towing package. Now that we've got a new camper that we're going to be in full time. Yeah. Um, in a few years, you know, it just it doesn't do that. So we can't. We're gonna let you go guys are dream. going with the uh, what is it, the Conqueror? Yeah, we got the Conqueror. Yeah. I have, uh, I was thinking about a trailer a few years ago and, uh, and took a look at those. That is a really interesting package. I mean, that thing just unfolds and it got it's a, like a yurt. Yeah. I, I mean, you got a little condo going there with that thing. So we do. It's super nice. We were talking about the dogs and taking them and how all that's going to be entailed. And I was like, well, we could just put up, you know, the back walls and have like a backyard for the back <laughs> for the dogs and just set them out back. Yeah. But you have to be able to tow it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But both of our vehicles, the Grand Cherokee and Matt's Gladiator, I think the Grand Cherokee does better. Um, but Matt's does good too. But gas mm -hmm. mileage just goes way down on the Gladiator <laughs> than it is on mine. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> it's yeah. miles per gallon anyways. But <laughs> So what can we find out next with you, Wade? What else is going on? I want to give you just a brief few minutes here to tell people what's coming up in Wade's world. Uh. In this crazy day and age, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and I, and I say that with all seriousness. Um, I'm always open to opportunities, and I and they never come from the direction that I think they're going to come from. Uh, mm -hmm. So I just try to keep an open mind. I want to have as much dirt time as I can get. Uh, you know, I, I love it out there, uh, and I don't want to don't want to waste any of that. I'm really enjoying the other opportunities have been presented and I'm very grateful for those. Um, so, you know, hopefully I get to go North at some point, uh, way up North, if yeah. uh, all of that works out. Uh, and who knows? So that's awesome. It's a big world. I want to see it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I am humbled because I personally think you're legend by everything that you've done and accomplished in your life <laughs> and who you've spoken with. I mean, just in the short amount of time that you've been doing this on the overlanding scene. Um, mm. I just love the, the direction that it's headed and I can't wait to hear more. Well, thank you. I just consider myself very lucky, but thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> I do appreciate that. I uh, hope you guys have some great holidays and yes, yeah, you have a Merry we'll, Christmas and you tell Mary Jo too. <laughs> I will. Merry Christmas to you and Matt. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks. See Bye, you. guys.